Coming to you from the great wide north, it's your weekly dose of sports news, thoughts, and more. Two guys, one act, and all of the sports, it's the Halftime Brewskies Podcast. No, 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 that's unbelievable. You're kidding me. Dude, that is ridiculous. Really? That's what you think? No, no, no. Hello friends, welcome into this episode of the Halftime Brewskies podcast. We are back at it again. Episode number 18, the big 1-8, the greatest episode 18 you will ever hear on any podcast ever. That is a fact. We have a whole host of things to talk about today. And of course, it's kind of sunny, it's kind of warm, and that means we are talking about baseball. And when I say baseball, I actually meant to say that we we're going to start with the Champions League, but we're going to do baseball now because I said it. So that's a curveball. Get it? Sports reference. We are prime for those here on the Halftime Brewskies podcast. And this has been another brutal start. But first baseball thoughts. James, who has impressed you the most in these first few days of baseball? I mean, the baseball purist in me would almost have to say Baltimore because, you know, <laughs> they, they started top of the league against- having a laugh. Well, they started 3-0 against uh, just a woeful Red Sox team. So I think that yeah. would be uh, – I'm not that I'm most impressed with but I'm almost most happy for them because, you know, they're going to come back down to earth because I think their 3-0 is much more an indication on who they're playing and not how they actually are as a team. But I think uh, we were definitely surprised with how bad the Red Sox were. Yeah, the Red Sox, I think there were rumblings at the start of the season that they might be better than people thought and they would give uh, give teams like Toronto and, and Tampa and New York definitely a run for their money. But, you know, if three or four games are an indication, I think everyone who was saying that is is incredibly wrong. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's not a lot i guess is, is happened so far we're only you know four or five games in and there's still some teams i haven't played due to the kind of the covid so we're still kind of waiting to see francisco lindor's debut for the mets and you know the nationals are you know i think playing as of right now as we speak so that's their first game of the season so definitely starting to get back into that baseball mindset and i think this was kind of a nice uh a nice opening weekend for everybody just to kind of get back to somewhat of a normal and to come mm-hmm. have baseball on because as we saw down in Texas, a sold out crowd for the Rangers Blue Jays game was something that really we haven't seen in over a year. So I think that was the first real indication that baseball is back and it's kind of getting normalizing our lives a bit more. Yeah. I mean, you know, f- almost 40,000 people. So it was, I don't, it wasn't a full sellout, but it was a near sellout because I think they have a few thousand extra seats in there. But hey, 40,000 is no small figure. And I think it is definitely weird to see it. Like watching the game and seeing the stadium packed was a weird feeling, regardless of, of everything else. It's just weird to have it back because we've gotten so used to, like, we never thought we'd be watching sports without fans. Then, of course, there were no fans. And we've gotten used to no fans. We've been watching sports for you know almost a year without any fans. And now suddenly we're starting to see fans back. And, and there are definitely different arenas that are doing it differently. Uh, you know, like the Yankees had about t- you know, 20% or so, I think, when the Blue Jays played them. But then down in Texas, it was almost you know a full sellout crowd. And it is a complete different experience once again. And it's a weird thing because we're not so used to not seeing them. Now we're seeing them. Now it's like, whoa what's happening yeah yeah but it's 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 a great feeling and you will see it like a state-by-state difference so like texas i think they made the alteration that they wanted to sell out crowd on their opening day or their home opener at least and i think they're going to try to rein it back in so they're not going to do sell out crowds every every single night they're going to kind of bring it back down to a more socially distanced yeah. mask hopeful uh mask hopeful crowd which w- was what you're seeing in pretty much every other mlb yeah. baseball stadium but yeah. i mean it's nice just to have some fan interaction so 
Yeah, it, it really kind of makes it feel a little bit more normal, which is really nice. It, def- it definitely, definitely does. I also really appreciate the fact that we're back in the time of teams chirping each other online because, you know, there are, there are a few teams that are as savage as soccer teams, but baseball have their own fun. And, you know, it really warmed the little cockles in my heart when I saw after three games that the Orioles had tweeted out a photo of the AL standings, ALE standings, and it had them at the top. And everyone's like, who the hell? And it was Baltimore saying, who the hell thought we were going to be up at the top of this, this table? So I'm really happy that even though we've had coronavirus and the delay in sports and the delay in fans, we haven't lost the delay in poking fun at each other. Baseball's back, baby. And and I think that was one of the things that I was, when I was watching, uh, what was it, the Cardinals and the Reds, and there was that benches clearing for all, which is strictly what you're not allowed to do. Yeah. COVID <laughs> protocols and the NLB. Yes. Uh, I remember texting a friend and being like, baseball's back. And, it, yeah. and it's beautiful, right? Because that is the kind of, the thing that we miss most about baseball is kind of that competitiveness and that fire. And Nick Castellanos definitely brought that back, so. Yeah, now it was kind of great to see that. I think on the topic of a, a benches ball, blah blah blah, a benches brawl in baseball. It's a good tongue twister to start. Um, it's like the weirdest, lamest thing because you are so amped up and you're like, "This is good." Oh my god, we're having like fifty people run at each other trying to fight. Like, holy shit, we haven't seen this since the Vikings, and then they all just kind of stand around. Like maybe one or two guys throw a punch and then they kind of just like huddle around. There's a bit of a shoving match. None of that, nothing, nothing else happens. Well, it's usually because it's only like two or three guys are actually heated at each other. And then when you bring in 50 guys, there's going to be some distance between the guys who are actually heated. Yeah, well, it becomes like a hug session. The relief pitchers are coming in and they're like, hey, buddy, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, they have to run a quarter of a mile from the bullpen and they're gassed by the time they get there. I mean, I've never, I've never understood. I mean, I understand it, but I think it's hilarious that, you know, the one or two guys would get heated and I would get it if the people, like if the people on the field kind of came in and you had like the next batter and it was like the infield. But if you're the outfielder, like hell, I'm running 200 feet to go stand and be like, oh, get out of my guy's face. Or especially if I'm a relief pitch or something in the bullpen, I'm thinking, well, God, I have to open the door to get out of the bullpen. Then we have to close the door and we have to run across the field. That's a lot of effort. Yeah. It also depends who the altercations between. And it usually is a batter and a pitcher. And I think teams often try and view their pitchers as almost like the goalies that they do in hockey in the sense that protect them at all cost. So there's usually that kind of, we got to run in to somehow protect our guy, even though the pitcher is usually the guy who starts most of this shit. So. Do you think it happens more in the NL because the pitchers also bat and so it's even more heated because it's like there's an actual, there's a reason to try if you were to throw at someone, there's a reason to throw at the pitcher because then he might not be able to come out for the next inning. I don't know. Like that would actually be an interesting study to actually look at and see if more benches clearing balls happen in the NL versus the AL. Off the top of my head, I, I couldn't see a differential if there is one because you know i've watched more blue jays games than, than most people and I, I still remember you know the, the clearing brawls against the royals back in you know 2016 and 2017 and you know that's kind of what i have in my head but yeah it'd be interesting to see if if there is a correlation between between the league and benches clearing brawls because that is an interesting aspect in the sense that if you're a pitcher and you throw at someone and they and the other team doesn't like it and you were you know due to bat up next yeah you're gonna get it yeah to get a plunker so uh yeah it would be interesting to see off the top of my head i don't i couldn't couldn't give you an answer for that but i'd be interested well well we'll take any one of you loving darling listeners of which i mean there are countless obviously we're in we're in seven countries we we've mentioned that enough seven countries um if you wanted to do the research for us and send us a message saying, hey, I've I've actually wasted away a whole summer watching and analyzing all of the bench clearing brawls in baseball, then I can confirm that the NL is a more bench clearing ball 
league uh, more prone to it, we'll take that and we'll talk about it. But I had another point on that is that Odor got traded from Texas and in his uh, in the Texas official tweet to say thank you, they had a picture of him and they kind of superimposed, I don't know if you saw this, James, a picture of him and superimposed a few images behind him and the image over his shoulder, one of them is him punching Bautista when they had the bench clearing brawl in the playoffs in 20, what, 2015, 2016, maybe? I don't think that was in the playoffs. I think that was the regular season. Was it? I thought it was, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was when they, when we had to go down, we won two games in Texas. I thought that was. No, I don't think that. I don't think so. I think that was the regular season, but I could be wrong. Either way, either which way, in the official tweet, like this is like, it comes back to my point about how it's so nice to see that baseball clubs haven't missed a beat in making fun of the other teams and that they include in the official goodbye uh, still of him punching Bautista in the face mid-game, which you wouldn't see a lot of. Yeah, you rarely see that, and that's why it was such a big deal at the time, but I mean, Rudin Adador is, you know, he's kind of a joke within himself, right? So, most of that being said, like, yeah, that punch, I guess, you know, all his talent went away with that punch because he's been kind of crap ever since. So, yeah, it's probably something to do with the beard. I mean, he lost his starting position to a guy who I can't pronounce his name. So, you know, maybe he'll get another opportunity in, opportunity in New York, but I mean, he's going up against. DJ LeMahieu and Glaber Torres, so uh, good luck. Chances are, luck. yeah. Chances are it's a no. Yeah, yeah. Unless an injury happens, but, you know, definitely he's he definitely fits that kind of Yankees brand of not likable. And on the last part of, of our little baseball intro bit here, of all of the picks you had last week of your Rookie of the Year's, MVPs, the players, this, that, whichever teams you thought were going to do well, do you just want to stick with those? Do you feel like if I'm honest, I can't remember yeah. any of my picks? <laughs> well, you I know, think I or Dylan Carlson for NL Rookie of the Year, and those picks are looking real good because those guys have both started really well. Yeah, I think I picked Aaron Nola for the Cy Young in the NL, and he had a really good first start. I think I picked Giolito for Cy Young of the AL, he had a really good first start. So, who really knows is, is basically it. AL Rookie of the Year, we haven't really seen any of them yet so far, and Randy Orozarena hasn't really played that well, so that I guess would be open, but I can't even remember who I picked for MVP. I think I picked Trout and oh boy, who did maybe Acuna? I picked for for I guess maybe oh yeah yeah would be the shout that he might not win the NL. MVP of course, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Because everyone has to say his name the whole way, Ronald Acuna Jr. Every time you say it, exactly. everyone knows that. Of course. But no, I'm gonna stick with my picks. I th- I think I did a decent. decent yeah, whatever, pick. whatever the hell they were, they were excellent picks. And as everybody knows, all the faithful listeners know, we are experts at our predictions. I think we have. Oh, speaking of expert at predictions, I or very almost predicted the winner of March Madness. So there you go. That's you know that's impressive almost yeah yeah almost i i was so close i i picked gonzaga and i picked baylor to go all the way to the final uh and then i picked gonzaga to win 87 83 and baylor won so you know that's that's pretty much the best bet you're gonna bet with me picking your bets was as close as you're gonna get but i mean that's that's pretty darn close yeah, like you honestly, could you ask for a closer bet? Probably not. So you're welcome. Come to me for all of your yeah. betting choices. We'll get to that because I have some smart bets for the Masters, which I'll let you guys in on in a little bit. We are moving to the Champions League, though, because we had the first draw of the round of 16s, post round of 16s, as in the quarterfinals. I don't know why I phrase that way. It's a very weird way to phrase it. Um, no one, oh, the post round of 16s. Um, anyway, Real, the elite eight, the elite eight I, of the Champions League. I could have, I could have literally said anything other than the post round of 16s, and it probably would have sounded better than what I said. Um, 
the Champions League was today. We had Borussia Dortmund going to Man City and Liverpool traveling to Real Madrid. And first off, we'll just talk um, basically the two kind of divisions I saw in that the Man City Dortmund game was really good, but way closer than it should have been in the fact that I thought Man City were dominant nearly the whole way through and did deserve the win at the end, but they just got sloppy and that's how they let Dortmund back in the game, which Pep Guardiola isn't interested at all in. And on the flip side, I thought Liverpool were almost completely outclassed by a Real Madrid team that wasn't at full strength, but still, you know, it was finally, we talked about last week how or whenever we did our last Champions League, that Liverpool had been really bad in the Premier League, but always somehow turned it on on Champions League days. Today was an absolute example of Liverpool in the Premier League. Yeah, and it was it was tough to watch, I guess, because Real Madrid have been uninspiring in the Champions League and uninspiring mm-hmm. domestically, which you would have thought Jurgen Klopp could have used as extra motivation to kind of bring this Liverpool side together, but... I mean, for all intents and purposes, Liverpool were bad. Yeah. This, this Real Madrid side, as I just said, haven't been all that great. And they weren't even all that great today. I think Liverpool was just really bad and yeah. allowed Real Madrid to kind of get comfortable. And when you allow Real Madrid space, they still have the talent that they can just pick a pass and just oh, and, yeah. and break you down, right? They are the Galacticos for a reason because they have – world-class vision in their midfield and i think liverpool just got way too relaxed and just allowed real madrid to come at them and that was that's the death blow because if if liverpool aren't setting the pace of the game they're on the back foot and when you're on the back foot against a team like real madrid you're probably gonna lose yeah even even a real madrid that doesn't have eden hazard in it and doesn't have Sergio Ramos in it or Rafa Evren is still quality. And I think that's the real difference maker is that, you know, the Liverpool team without Van Dijk and without Henderson is much like they're fine, but they're not a European heavyweight in the way that we've seen Real Madrid have proven that they still find a way to get it done without Ramos, without Hazard. And part of that was because Vinicius Jr. was so good. And I think a lot of the joy that Vinicius Jr. used to experience and the spotlight he used to have has faded away because of a certain Norwegian striker who was playing in Manchester tonight, who we'll get to. But, you know, I think everybody forgets how good Vinicius Jr. is and was and was looked at as the new Neymar when he was coming across from Brazil. And, you know, he's he's so quick and powerful and a good striker of the ball. And he finally kind of showed that today for the first time on a really big stage. Yeah, yeah, and and I and from like from like, we all forget like how young he actually still is, and he's been yeah. doing it for a few years now. He's been showing up on big stages, and look, as I said, like Real Madrid were missing Ramos and Varane, and like and how Liverpool could kind of sit back and not be like golden opportunity here, yeah, golden opportunity to get a few past Thibaut Courtois, snake. They, Exactly. Well, that's that's a whole different other uh, different conversation. But yeah, no. It, it, so from that perspective, Liverpool really messed up. But as you said, it there is so much individual talent within Real Madrid that Vinicius Junior was able to shine. And actually, I was super impressed with Marco Asensio. Mm-hmm. Marco Asensio yeah. really had to deal with injuries the past you know we probably actually eighteen months at this point. But on his day, he is what everyone at Real Madrid thought he was when they first brought him in. And that is a core piece moving forward, like like a legitimate foundational forward. Yeah. I mean, well, you look at, you look at how both Vinicius Jr. played and, and Asensio and you think, oh yeah, they were, you know what? They knew what they were doing when they allowed Ronaldo to leave. They, when they sanctioned Bale leaving, when they were, you know, they bought Hazard in, but they're okay with him being injured. Not okay, obviously, but they can deal with him being injured because these two young guys have have played big roles in how Madrid has somehow kept afloat in the Champions League despite being kind of boring for a lot of the stages. Yeah, yeah. And and they also allowed James Rodriguez to leave. And and I see a lot of similarities between yeah. James and, and Asensio. Yep. So 
But yeah, no, like that's the thing about Real Madrid is that they'll never be questioned on their depth because they have just a massive squad that like Isco has barely featured this year. And I don't, and I think I'll, mostly every team in England would take Isco. Oh without, yeah. Without the, a, in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. Without any hesitation. So, yeah. So from that all being rounded up Real Madrid, good on them, Liverpool, so sorry, but this is going to be an absolute collapse of the season because, the, as I said, I think the last time we talked about the Champions League was that Liverpool, this was their only kind of ability to make their season anywhere near a success. That yeah. The Champions League was kind of their last straw and to try to appease their fans and kind of, I guess, distract everyone from how bad they've been domestically, but it's now all caught up to them. And look, Real Madrid's not an easy team, but they were beatable. And they went in with kind of a lackadaisical effort and they got punished for it. Well, there's certainly a lot of stuff that Liverpool have to work on before the next game. And on the flip side of the draw, you had Man City and Borussia Dortmund. And a lot of people were looking at Erling Haaland because Pep Guardiola has said that he basically views Haaland as a... a he hasn't said it officially out loud publicly, but he's kind of innuended the fact that he would be a phenomenal guy to lead the line for City. He'd perfectly take over from Aguero. And I mean, he really, he is like in the way that Aguero was just a pure finisher and a poacher is exactly what Haaland is right now. He's not going to get on the end of a lot of crosses, but he will be in the right place at the right time to score the goals, which is what he's doing for Dortmund. However, I think at the end of that game, there was a different young player who stole the show. And that is, of course, Phil Foden, who scored in the last minutes of the game to win the game for Man City. But throughout the night, he was finding spaces. He was making runs. He was dangerous. Whereas I thought that Haaland, on his first real test in a big monumental game in his in his career, probably the biggest game in his career so far, didn't shine as brightly as he could have or as everyone expected him to. Touching on Holland, I guess we can look at it and be like, he is just still so young. And the pressure that is on him is pretty much besides Mbappe, no one, no one at his age is kind of in, in the world right now under the spotlight that he is under especially within the past week that the rumors were coming out that his agent, Mino Raiola and his father were meeting with Barcelona. We're meeting with Real Madrid. Yeah. He, like we can't even begin to understand that how much that would weigh on your mind when you're trying to focus on, as you said, the biggest match of your career, when you're, when your father and when your agent are meeting with the biggest clubs in the world to potentially discuss your move there. Yeah. But I would, the thing with Holland is that, he does so much himself that it makes it look easy almost. But when he doesn't get any service from the rest of his side, it's easy to pick him apart by saying that he doesn't produce. Mm -hmm. and I think that was the biggest problem with Dortmund today is that they, they lacked so much creativity in their midfield and from their wings that pretty much Marco Royce was the, uh, was the only other creative option that Holland had to kind of work off of because I yeah. think Bellingham for all the great things he does, he had to cover up a lot of inefficiencies based on that defensive weaknesses, because I'm not exactly sure how they were lining up today that they, they threw a lot. They were, there were a lot of defensive players on that pitch for Dortmund, right? When you look at all the center backs and Emery Chan is a very defensive midfielder who they play in the, who they play on their back line. Yeah, so I think Holland was missing a lot of service, and I think that yeah. really showed. And because with that, like without any service, you know, Man City can just take the ball over because they play a very structured game. And when you look at, as you said, Phil Foden being able to work off of Kevin De Bruyne, I mean, they're just going to be able to create magic, right? So yeah, and and, and, so, and, and certainly what what didn't help was the fact that. Emery Chan, you know, for the first goal, literally gave the ball away. I mean, he, I think he passed it almost straight to, I think it was Gundogan, he passed it literally straight to him. And that was basically the start of the first goal. And it also was a massive help that the referee was pretty much playing for Man City in that first half, especially um, in both 
you know, almost giving a penalty for something questionable. Thank goodness he was, you know, he overturned it with the help of VAR. But, you know, denying Jude Bellingham that goal when Edison, effect, you know, Edison kicked Jude Bellingham and Bellingham won the ball and Edison kicked him and then went down and got the free kick. And that was one of the things that I've never understood about VAR is that in so many other sports, if they think there's been foul play, they will look at it regardless of what has happened or what the outcome is. But in football, for whatever reason, the VAR only gets involved if it's a goal, like a, a goal opportunity or dangerous play kind of thing. And because the referee blew his whistle before Bellingham had put the ball in the net, VAR wasn't allowed to look at it to see if it was an infraction or, or a mistake because the ball hadn't gotten like, you know, it doesn't make any sense in, in a game as big as this. I would hope that we're looking at all of the possible angles to make sure the right decisions are being made. And that is absolutely the wrong decision. And that was what 25, 30 minutes into the game when what meant city were one nil up, it could have completely changed the tie. And, and there was a missed call. And also the cards that, that the referee gave early to Chan and Bellingham, yep. like anyone who, anyone who watches a lot of football understands that as soon as you're on a yellow card, your game has to change, especially when you're a defensive player. Because yep. you can't make aggressive tackles anymore. Like you have to pretty much lay off going 100%. Because yeah. all it is, is is one mistake, one missed play, and you're out of the game and, you're and your side is down to 10 men. So I think when you're giving away the cards, definitely to Emery Chan and then to Jude Bellingham, which happened within the span of, I think, like seven or eight minutes. I mean, Dortmund then has... <laughs> two of their main kind of defensive midfielders having to kind of really kind of lay off the gas, which then allows Man City even more space. But I think going into this tie, I think everyone can admit that Man City was going to have to beat themselves to lose. Yes. <laughs> like, like it was going to have to be Man City making either a questionable lineup decision or changing their shape or overthinking the game somehow for them to lose. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, Dortmund was kind of happy just to kind of be there because yeah. I think everyone is at this point going to admit that City's probably the favorite to win the Champions League. So the fact that it was as close as it was is probably a credit to, uh, probably a credit to the overall structure of Dortmund. But I mean, going into the second leg, they're really going to have to open it up because they got to break City down somehow and. I guess they're just hoping to God that Sancho is going to be healthy because if Sancho's on that other wing, that allows Holland a lot more creativity off the side to at least Absolutely. make some runs. Well, it's interesting that you said Man City probably the favorites, and I would agree with you. I think they are, especially just the form they're in. But at the start of the year, people would have put Bayern Munich as the favorites, and of course, Bayern Munich play PSG tomorrow, as well as Chelsea playing Porto. Touching on those, I think we both picked Bayern Munich to win the tie, but we've you know recently found out that Robert Lewandowski is not going to be featuring in either tie. He's out for a month. So does that change the balance of powers? Do you think PSG could sneak this one out, or do you think that Bayern Munich is going to be able to hold strong and, and they're still unstoppable with him and without him? So much, like so much of it comes down to is Neymar going to be healthy? And so I think there's question marks to whether he's going to be healthy for the first leg, but I think everyone understands that he is going to be healthy for the second leg. And I mean, Lewandowski and Neymar both being out is probably a fair trade-off because they're both as equally important to their team's offense going forward. But I mean, you take the best striker in the world off of any team and, and you're going to have to see a lot of readjustment to that side. Yeah, um, I'd still pick... Bayern Munich at this point because even though Munich and PSG have been less than inspiring domestically this year for both of them I still pick Hansi Flick and his overall structure of Bayern Munich that the fact that they're comfortable with him and the fact that this team has played together and won a Champions League before to kind of over compensate and then beat a, a Pochettino team that really hasn't come together all that much because I think everyone can admit that, you know, everyone loves Pochettino and, and his structure is really nice. And PSG has all the pieces that would make a good team, but they haven't clicked yet. They, they haven't clicked domestically and they haven't clicked on the, uh, on the European stage. So 
I think it's going to be an interesting game, but losing Lewandowski, I still think they have enough attacking, you know, depth to kind of make up for that. They still have some uh, absolutely tremendous wing players and they can place Thomas Muller down the middle and they can paper up a lot of those inefficiencies. But if Neymar doesn't play for PSG, it's pretty much all down to how much Mbappe can do himself. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'll agree with you that I think that, you know, the loss of Lewandowski probably doesn't hurt Bayern Munich all that much. I think they're still a very complete team with him and without him. It, you know, they've just, they find a way to, to get it done and they have so much depth throughout their lineup and so many different players who can score. And, you know, Kingsley Coman, Serge Nabi, although I think Nabi might be missing the tie. You know, th- these are still players who can, who can find a way to get it done. However, I just have this feeling, I think PSG will win tomorrow. I don't know whether they will win the tie, but I feel like they will win tomorrow. And I think it's less so about Neymar and more so this is Mbappe's team now. And I bet Neymar probably wouldn't like me to say that. But I think this is Mbappe's team. I think PSG are just a, a different beast when it's folk when it when it's built around him rather than Neymar because when Neymar's on the field he controls everything and everything goes through him and I think when he's not on the field it's kind of just a more equal equal run and I think that there's a every chance PSG are probably a better team without him whereas Bayern Munich are kind of you know they're a better team with Lewandowski but PSG are a better team without Neymar so I think it's going to be a fascinating tie anyway and then, of course, there's there's Chelsea Porto, which we talked about a little bit at length a few episodes ago, but that was before Chelsea got a 5-2 drumming from West Brom on the weekend. Do you think that changes any of the Chelsea approach or the mindset, or are they professional and Thomas Tuchel has done enough to rid their minds, blow the gas out, get it all out of the way, and, and keep going? That game was so surprising because if anything, if any Chelsea like fan would have predicted a loss to West Brom. It would have been like a one, nothing one nil kind of game because yeah. of our inability to kind of score because yeah. Thomas Tuchel, if anything has brought in just so much defensive stability that conceding five, even though we were down to 10 men conceding five was a bit of an eye opener. Yeah. I'm, I'm not overly worried. I still think Chelsea is the big favorite going in, but it's going to be very interesting to see how he lines up. Is he going to go three at the back? Is he going to do four at the back? You know, is Kai Havertz going to play? Who's going to play through the middle? Is it going to be Timo? Because Timo's really struggled. Uh, creatively, he's been fine, but he just can't finish anymore. And I don't think he has the confidence to finish anymore. But yeah, I guess going up against any other team, I would have had a little more hesitation. But the fact that they drew Porto is kind of, at the end of the it's day. It's a bit of a blessing. Yeah, it is still the easiest draw that you could, that you could have gotten. So yeah, I'll still, I'll still pick Chelsea. I still think they have, a tremendous amount of talent but i uh, it will be very interesting to see i'll be watching very closely to see how we set up and then how how the team reacts because you know does he go back to tiago silva after that red card you know kurt zuma didn't have a good game if Jorginho plays then you're very open to porto's midfield just running through you because conte isn't healthy a lot of a lot of question marks kind of need answers so i guess that yeah. would be the only thing that kind of brings hesitation to uh to my opinion on the game yeah we haven't seen a lot of issues or or a lot of instances where thomas tuchel has so obviously got it wrong and i think he just like he must have woken up on the wrong side of the bed against west brom because he was just he got it wrong he played three at the back for one striker then he continued and doubled down after tiago silva got sent off I fully expect him to to flip it around and figure it out i really you know i just really really hope he plays Tammy Abraham because I think that's exactly what Chelsea have been missing these last games is that Timo Werner, I had really appreciated the fact that he's run his legs off every game and he's playing well, even though he's not scoring and he's always dangerous because he's so quick and there's, you know, the setup to Mason Mount is a great setup because it's a good pass, but everyone expects Timo Werner of RP Leipzig to just put that in the back of the net and he would. On the flip side, you got Tammy Abraham, who is fit. It's not an injury. He was just left out of the squad against West Brom. And he is still quick. He is still the club's top scorer this year. 
and he can finish and he's not scared to have a go. And I think that's exactly what Chelsea need. Olivier Giroud is, is fine for the later games, but p- coming up against Malang, Saar and Pepe is not the place for Giroud because that's exactly the type of physical battle they want. You need someone quick to go in behind. I'm hoping it's Tammy Habram. I don't think it is. I think he'll play Werner. I think he'll play Havertz. I think he'll play Pulisic. But who knows? Well, yeah, I don't think Pulisic is going to be is going to be healthy from the sounds of it. It sounds like he's got a hamstring issue again. Which you know, I think they said. I think they said he's fit. I think uh, they said this. this can, chances he starts though. I would. I, I would. I could very very see uh, Timo starting on the left and then him playing Kai through the middle as a false nine. Oh um, God! But you you just know that kind of that's that's a kind of Thomas Tuchel kind of you know. Ziyech on the right, Havertz to the middle, and then Timo Werner on the left, because that allows him to have the pace. Because as much as you want to see Tammy, I just don't. I think you need to start understanding that the, these might be Tammy's last couple months at the club. Yeah, but they shouldn't uh, be. They, they shouldn't be. Completely agree, and it's going to be heartbreaking to see him go. But from all the speculation about Holland, and then you know. Aguero, my, my boy being linked with the club is for personally me. I would love to see Lukaku come back just because he's my favorite player. But if if, if yeah. he does come back, you just know that like Tammy's gone, right? Like he's not Ugh. sitting on the bench behind a Lukaku. He's not sitting on the bench for another year behind Timo Werner because he is just too good for that. So yeah, be, I know. And it's, and it's and it's these kind of games that I think are going to give him a real indication of what his future at the club is under Tuchel. Yeah. Because you have a lot of players who have outlived coaches, but I don't think Tammy's willing to wait as long as it is for Tuchel to go because, you know, bet, betting favorites, you know, Tuchel's probably got two years in this job and then he's gone. Right. That's just how yeah. Chelsea work. And, and we've been reaffirmed that that's the way that Abraham Bruce is going to run this club, but Tammy's not going to wait two years. To see, a, no. to see a new coach come in and, and take a liking to him. So he's, he's no. going to go. So And it's games like this, as I said, that are going to be the deciding factor for him and being like, am I a part of your plans or am I not? Because this is a massive game for the club. Yeah. I mean, he's seen, he's seen his last thing on him. He's seen his pretty much guaranteed spot on the plane for England's Euro 2021 as the backup striker behind Harry Kane evaporate from not playing under Tuchel. He had an injury and, and didn't play. And now, you know, you've got Ollie Watkins. It's you've, prob- you've got Calvert-Lewin. Cool, you maybe yeah. have have Patrick Bamford as, a, as an alternative. Like, th- these are three guys. Yes, Patrick Bamford. I'm rooting for Patrick Bamford. He brings something else to that England team, even though I think it would probably be Dominic Calvert-Lewin who will get the nod. Um, but I think Patrick Bamford should because he is, is a great worker. Anyway, way off topic now. Uh we're, we're moving on, and this is a going to be a quick fire round because we've dragged out two things. We're doing a quick fire round. I've got a couple questions. I'm setting a timer. It's like the final countdown minute of fun, but it's not the final countdown. It's just our third period final countdown minute of fun. So timer at the ready. First question, and then I'll start it when I start it. You have a minute to go. Sam Donald. Yes, Sam Donald. Okay. Yes, Sam okay. Donald. But I'm I'm controlling the stopwatch for myself, so I'll have my an Ollie minute instead, of course. Yeah, and um, then and Peach on my time as well. No, is the timer going already? Um, Sam Donald got traded, obviously, for three picks to Carolina. What do you think that does to? Okay, first off, what do you think that does to Teddy Bridgewater? Sixty seconds. It's kind of heartbreaking for Teddy Bridgewater because I think everyone in the NFL kind of loves Teddy Bridgewater. He's kind of a Tyrod Taylor in, in the sense that he's kind of just a consummate professional who shows up, works hard, and actually plays really well. But Jacksonville just kind of saw this opportunity that they could go and take a flyer on Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold has the talent that if he hits, that could be your franchise quarterback. And if he's your franchise quarterback and you got him for a second and you know a fifth and a sixth, I think. You know, that's yeah. great. I think at this point, because they had to exercise his fifth year option, I think it's $18 million for Sam Darnold. I think that's just going to be too expensive to keep both. So 
I think Teddy's going to either have to restructure his contract and be the backup to Sam, which probably isn't the worst case scenario because I think that would be a, an opportunity or he's going to have to just be traded to another team that needs just a, just a starter for a year. Boom. Almost exactly on the minute. Excellent job. I was exactly on the minute. Well, I mean, dependent. <laughs> anyway, back to me. I don't even need a minute for this. And I'm not going to waste our time for a minute because this is Teddy Bridgewater's job. Sam Donald has not proven that he can do it. He has not. I know he's got talent. I know he's done well at college. I know all of these things about him. And I know people will look at him in, in the Jets and say it was the wrong you know, team for him. It, the offense wasn't set up to compliment him. All of these things. This is Teddy Bridgewater's job. He has proven time and time again that he can do it at an elite level in the NFL, whereas Sam Donald cannot. Teddy Bridgewater carried that Saints team. He's had a little more of a struggle in Carolina, but he's, he's proven that when it comes to it, he can be the man for the job. He is the starting quarterback going in, and until he has a massive injury or something else happens and there's a big change in the landscape of quarterbacks in the NFL – Teddy Bridgewater is absolutely the guy to start. Sam Donald, that's great. Thank you. Back it up and time up. Boom. Wow. This so is you, like the. So you just lied to everybody and actually took the full minute. Yeah. Well, uh, technically, I stopped talking at 59 seconds um, because I've, I'm classically trained uh, in the art of talking. So it's actually 59 seconds, you know, the mental numbers. Next question. On that same vein, what does this do or does this change the outcome of the top picks in the NFL draft this year? No, I think one, the first and second pick are, are cemented in stone. I think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence and I think it's going to be Zach Wilson. And I think even though if they were to keep Sam Darnold, I think Zach Wilson was their pick from the get-go because I think if Zach Wilson wasn't their pick, then they would have traded the second overall pick to San Francisco for the haul that ended up... <laughs> They ended up getting in return. So I think Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are absolutely cemented in at the top two picks. And Zach Wilson will be the quarterback of the future for the New York Jets. And then the th third pick is going to be up in the air, whether it's going to be Mac Jones, which I think would be a mistake because he's a quarterback who is just very okay. Yeah. Um, I think they should go Justin Fields. But uh, yeah, no, I think top two picks then cemented the trade doesn't really change anything it's just now going to be up to san francisco and what they want to do at their quarterback going going forward if they want to play it safe or go with the guy with a lot of talent yeah well, that was a second over so we'll have to cut that in the edits that was 0.73 over thank you um this is this is the problem because i would obviously like to disagree with you apart from that i agree with exactly what you said this changes nothing it just reaffirms that the Jets knew that Sam Donald probably wasn't the guy to go with. They knew that Zachy Boy was there, and obviously Trevor Lawrence is, is still number one. I don't think it means that just like I, you have a see, sneaking suspicion Justin Fields is going to somehow sneak his way up. I just don't think he's going to go higher than three. It's just it's just painfully obvious. I mean, you'd be crazy not to pick Trevor Lawrence. And there's no way Trevor Lawrence is falling to two. So nothing is going to change. It will be, I wonder, I wonder, this is the one thing. I wonder if the 49ers do something weird because who knows what's going to happen. That's, I wonder. Well, yeah. And, and now Jacksonville is probably not going to draft a quarterback where they are. So they could either move back or move up or no, they yeah. wouldn't move up again, but they could move back if another team wanted to jump in and, and take a shot at Trey Lance. But I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. We're, we're still about a month out from the draft. So, but I think, yeah, San Francisco has their eye on the quarterback. And from all accounts, it's going to be Mac Jones. But Justin Fields just don't do that. Board, yeah. But. I know. I, I, I can see it too. And I just think, oh, oh my God. There's anyway. Next question. Our favorite player in the world, our favorite basketball player in the world, Kyle Lowry. <laughs> who we seem to somehow talk about every single week. It's like we have to at this point. Do, do, do the Raptors re-sign Kyle Lowry next season after they didn't trade him at the deadline? Wow, I talked into your minute already. Yeah, it's, 
as as I keep on saying every week that we always talk about Kyle Lowry, it's it's, it's what he wants to do, right? So. I think Toronto is not going to be in a rebuild or, or even a retool. I think they're just going to need to reshape a bit this offseason, but they're still viewing next year as, as an opportunity to make the playoffs and maybe make a run because they still have most, most of the parts of a, of a really nice core. But I think it's if Kyle Lowry wants to come back, that makes a lot of sense. But if he wants to move on, that makes sense too. So it's, it, if he wants to come back, you re-sign him because there's not really a lot of free agents this summer that you'd be willing to kind of spend a lot of money on. So you can even just go a year with Kyle Lowry and give him a higher, uh, a higher salary. But if he wants to go, you know, run it back in, in Philadelphia or go to, you know, Miami, all the teams that were kind of linked to him at the deadline, if he wants to go play for another franchise, then I wish him all the best. But if he wants to come back, I think he would definitely still fit within the structure of Toronto wanting to win. Yeah, that was that was close to a minute. I'll give it to you. That one was close to a minute. This is what I think about Kyle Lowry, and I'm happy that you said that because I'm happy to disagree with you on this, is that Kyle Lowry got paid. He got a crap ton of money in his three-year deal. He does not need any more money. If he wants to be a Toronto Raptor, then he has to settle for less money. And this is the fact. If it's on the Raptors, you don't re-sign Kyle Lowry because that's money that you don't need to give to a 35-year-old. He wants to retire as a Raptor? Absolutely. He can have that that one-day contract and retire as a Raptor, and he should, and his jersey should go up in the rafters. No doubt about that. But if the Raptors are being a franchise that wants to win, Kyle Lowry cannot take up a big portion of their salary. They need to keep that open for whatever happens and give them flexibility to do it. So if he wants to come back on a smaller deal, absolutely re-sign him. But if he's asking for you know the 15 to 20 million like he has been in previous years he's got to go well i mean he's he's been getting 30 for the past few years so it's you know 15 would be a would be a big discount actually yeah but he doesn't 15 he doesn't need 15 he's been getting he got it's like a 33 million dollar deal like big dog big dog sure he doesn't need 15 but he's still worth 15 he's he's still an all-star point guard who's absolutely well more than 15 if he goes to another team so absolutely I, yeah i don't think you try to lowball your franchise icon i think that no that just that's a you're recipe not. for souring the relationship no I, I think it's a conversation him. that you need to maybe have and say look the raptors have a lot of flexibility going forward because they were planning on having Giannis available this summer and yes. that obviously went pear-shaped and the fact that they've let norm Powell, greek, well, they greek traded pear-shaped him. Okay, that was that was a bad one. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep rolling. I don't think. Yeah, I think I said it just perfectly when you were talking, so no one heard my Greek pear shapes joke. Anyway, carry on. But they then they traded Norman Powell, and Norman Powell is gonna get a nice little payday this summer as well. So they've kept their options open financially, and there's not really like I mean Victor Oladipo's value has gotten down since yeah. last like last summer he was looking at a potentially a max level contract. I don't think he's looking at a max level anymore. Andre Drummond's value has gone down. So all the big kind of free agents that Toronto can kind of look at, their values are going down. So it'll be interesting to see. I think you're going to have to have a real conversation with, yeah, how many more years do you want to commit to Kyle Lowry? And this is all assuming Kyle Lowry wants to come back because Kyle Lowry might full on say, I just want to go new challenge in my career. And if he wants that, you know, good for him. Then you have you know, $33 million coming off your cap and you can reallocate it to, if you want to go get a Victor Oladipo, if you want to go get an Andre Drummond as the two guys I mentioned, yeah, you're in a prime position to offer them, you know, just as much money as any other team that would be able to offer them money like the Knicks or anyone like that. But you'd also be able to offer them a structure within the Toronto Raptors franchise that has just been the model of consistency within the past decade. So well, I think the the Raps definitely going to re-sign Gary Trent Jr. That's the whole reason they traded Norman Powell, so they could swap an unrestricted free agent status for a restricted free agent status, so they have some control. But I really just think, you know, if Kyle wants to, if Kyle wants to sign and chase a ring, absolutely, go for it. But you know, he is—is is it the best thing for Toronto to keep him? I, I don't know. I mean, I would love to have him on the team. I don't know if it's necessarily the best move for the team financially because you never know what happens in a in a 
year or in a season and something could change and it could you know something could open up and a, and a big player or a big move could happen it could trigger a lot of things and if the raps have just signed kyle larry to a feel good keep him on the team deal it could bite them in the ass because who knows what's going to happen next question two more two more next question both basketball themed themed not themed both basketball themed in it are the lakers still favorites to win <laughs> already on the clock i i don't know i i think that, that that's probably the worst answer i could give you but i don't know because there's just i don't know how healthy their guys are when you look at this when you look at this lakers team all three of their big guys as in as in big and not only size but stature which drummond davis and lebron are all hurt right now so i who knows how healthy they're going to be by the playoffs and who knows kind of how other teams are going to keep their health going into the playoffs because you know you got phoenix who are looking really good you got utah who are looking really good who have been able to stay healthy this season you know who knows how the clippers will be able to uh kind of come together in the playoffs and i think the biggest question mark when you say favorites is that it's going to be the bucks and it's going to be the nets in the east right and and how when all the question marks that are surrounding the lakers right now in health are also surrounding the Nets right now in chemistry and health because Harden's not healthy, Katie's not healthy. So there's a lot of uh, uncertainty there. But yeah, I'll say yes if, 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 if LeBron is healthy, but I just don't know that at this point. I'm going to go ahead and just say yes because we're talking about playoff LeBron here. I mean, it's, it's LeBron James. He's the greatest basketball player playing at this time and he's damn old and he is damn fine and he's aging like fine wine like give him some props he's finding ways to do it every single year and playoff lebron is a different beast we've seen that time and time again where even though he's injured even if he's carrying things he finds a way to do it and he's infectious and i just think in the flip side of how the nets who are i think you could probably call it you know being the favorites in the east now they are still trying to figure out how to gel and i don't think that this is their year because of how many new pieces with James Harden coming in and, you know, you know, Kyrie sitting out and having all these things that's not gelling right now. And there's injuries and this and that, whatever this LA team has a core that won a championship last year and can do it all over again. That's why they're still favorites. Last question. Will Isaiah Thomas return as well as he So I didn't word this well. Yeah. Will Isaiah Thomas actually return and be as good as he was when he left? So not peak Isaiah, when he left Isaiah. That's an impossible question to answer because when Isaiah left, he wasn't really a player. Like he, like Oof. he was. Like I can't even remember the last team he played on. Was it Washington or? I think was, Pelicans. I think I think it was Pelican. the Pelicans. Well, that tells you everything right there. The fact that I couldn't even guess the team that he was playing for before he had his hip surgery. Yeah. And so I think, especially for a very small guy who's very kind of shifty and he needs a lot of kind of quick cuts to make his game worth it. Yeah. Hip surgery is going to be a real hard thing to come back from. So I, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to come back. I don't think he's ever going to get back to the level that he was. He's getting older. Uh, I wish him the best because I really do like him and he had a and he had a very kind of sad story and, and everyone's kind of aware of that when he was playing for Boston and he played through you know the death of his sister but I just yeah I don't know how he, a guy like him comes back from the injury that he had and the surgery that it required to fix. Now I'm going I'm going off the board here yes will he come back and be better than when he or be better than when he left or as good as when he left yes and the reason is is because he is not coming back to basketball he's done he's out he's not playing again so he will come back better because he will be on the sidelines sitting happy sitting pretty with a hell of a lot of money and drinking i don't know whatever his favorite drink is but there's he's not coming back he won't be able to play the way he was no team really wants him to play they're taken away from players who are actually playing it's time to hang up the old shoelaces, if you know what I mean, Isaiah, which means retire. Just call it. Just end it. You've, you've played a lot. You've played in different places. You've had your chance to win. You've been an all-star. You've been a scoring bomb-ass shooter, like all of these things. 
leave it in the history books. Don't try and come back. A return is never good. The sequel is never as good. Everyone knows that. And that is the best segue I could ask for because we are talking about a sequel that is coming out, which someone on this podcast feels incredibly strongly about. And I can absolutely tell you it is not me. And the, well, the things I feel strongly about, I feel about different reasons. Hashtag Lola. But <laughs> could we have this podcast canceled? Um, Space Jam 2 has had its first trailer released. Of course, as anyone who has watched any movies ever knows, Space Jam with Michael Jordan came out and it was possibly one of the best sports movies of all time. Bold call, sure, because obviously there's movies like Goal and Rookie of the Year, etc., etc. But Space Jam has, has come out and now Space Jam 2 is out and it's got LeBron instead of Jordan. James, how do you feel about Space Jam 2? Well, I'm gonna, before, I'm gonna before. wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna duck behind the desk while you say this, just so I don't get hit by the face with anything. No, no, I, I yeah, I, I just want to touch on firstly that you think some of the greatest sports movies of all time are Goal and Rookie of the Year. Hey, Rookie of the Year is a great movie. He breaks his arm and throws a hundred mile an hour fastball. How did you not love that? Okay, it's not about not loving it. It's about that you referred it to as one of the greatest sports movies of all time. Which, okay, I'll allow you. It's subjective. What are you gonna say, Sea Biscuit? Well, You're not gonna say Sea Biscuit. I was definitely not gonna say Sea Biscuit, but we can you, tell where all these mind is at. You were gonna say Sea Biscuit. You thought Sea Biscuit was at three, but no. <laughs> I think. Look, it's. I just think it's just so LeBron, to rip off another thing that Michael did. And <gasps> oh. It's. I'm not surprised, but I. I. It's almost pathetic at this point that. He's he's so I I think he really is so obsessed with with this debate now about putting his name next to Michael and in any way trying to be in the same conversation, which look, he is based on his play. And look, he he may not have been the person who approached the film studio about doing about doing a space jam too, all fairness. But he agreed to do it. And he knows that that was Michael's thing. And the fact that Look, I, a whole other set of problems is the fact that Hollywood just feels a need to not create anything new, that they just need to make sequels and remakes of everything that's happened in the past. That's that's a whole different thing. But I think when you look at it, Space Jam 2 or Space Jam, the first one, it, like it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It does hold kind of a special place in my heart because I did watch it when I was very young and it was kind of, there was a lot of nostalgia to it. And I think this is just, it's just such a ripoff and it's the fact that LeBron James has agreed to do it is just, as I said, it's almost pathetic because I think he's just so obsessed with kind of putting his name up there with Michael that the fact that he's doing the same movies as Michael is just, oh, well, that's my little, that's my little spiel, but yeah, I'm, I'm not too, not too excited about it. I did watch the trailer. I think it looks bad. I thought the animation was better back in the, you know, whatever the late late 90s that space jam the first one came out i don't know how you know 30 years later or no 25 years later that animation's actually gotten worse didn't know that i didn't know how that was even possible wow we're i i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to i'm just gonna cut in so that you can catch some breath because you know this is i can see the steam coming it's 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 bursting and that's only because i just I just, you know, all of the sides apart. Let's not talk on the animation. These guys look real AF. Like we're talking some 4K, 4K magic. Like Bruno Mars did the animation for this. It's 24K, man. Like this shit is crazy. These animals look real. That That's my point. Who, who looked like a more menacing team to go up against? The, the, the team that everyone oh. has to go up against in the second one? Or oh, the, no, or, no, no, no. The team in the, the team in the second one looks dumb. It looks dumb. Yeah. It like you will not, but you cannot find a better villain team. The okay, the only team that is a better villain team to this Space Jam is the uh, dodgeball team with Ben Stiller's team from Globo Gym. That is a oh, rival. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a rival 
of of enemy teams that is iconic but there is i don't think there probably is not a more iconic quote-unquote villain team in sports movie folklore than the space jam team that jordan plays against yeah look global jump purple cobras are not really the same (laughs) (laughs) yeah they are different but yeah look we can we i can talk in circles about this but yeah i'm not too happy about it will i watch it actually absolutely I'm probably actually not going to watch it. So, oh, boo! Then you can't have an opinion on it. Watch it and hate it. <laughs> yeah, I think Don Cheadle is playing the villain in this one, which I he I, is. Just, I don't believe Don Cheadle is a villain. I just he's a good guy. I don't care how many times you try to convince me he's not. He's War Machine. He's a good guy. Well, he was War Machine. That's a spoiler. Um. Anyway. That's a bit of a sensitive topic. I'm going to write a note down here not to bring up Space Jam again. Um, I do also agree that it's a bit crappy that they did, like, you don't have to remake everything. Like, apparently, there's a Friends movie that's getting, they're doing like a Friends movie. Um, like, the TV show Frasier is getting remade, even though it doesn't have the whole cast, only like Kelsey Grammer and, and the assistant Roz, who I forget the actress's name, is doing it. It would have been nice to leave Space Jam in the past so it was there and you could have cast LeBron as a different, like as some kind of different something. Someone would have found the idea and they didn't have to do Space Jam or Looney Tunes, even though I understand the appeal of trying to, you know, build the fire under a classic again. But they're not going to be the monsters. No one's going to be as cool as they are. Yes. I mean, of, of course. Oh my God, I didn't even think of Cars 2. Like, not like Cars 2, that was not one, but Cars is a great sports movie because NASCAR is a sport. Let's not forget it. NASCAR is a sport. Um, so I'm just trying to think of other sports movies now. I just wish they, had, I wish they had done LeBron in a different movie so that they didn't have, like, so then we wouldn't be having this discussion about LeBron's space jam versus mj space jam just like the two guys are unbelievable talents let's just give them two different movies it's not that hard to come up with a totally different idea and use a different like hell put lebron in with marvel everyone's owned by the same thing to hell with it let's have this like a football game where lebron goes back in time with dr strange and instead of playing basketball picks football because everyone knows he could have been a linebacker in the nfl let's just do that uh so actually disney if you want to reach out for the third one we could do like uh between the gridirons four the longest yard between the gridiron isn't that the dwayne the rock johnson movie is it oh Grid- no that was gridiron game that was gridiron game yeah see between yeah that's someone copyright grid between the gridirons four because that's no it should, well i guess it should be 23 that would be the answer on the 23 okay we're, we're spiraling at this point yeah. the longest yard though that's a great sports movie who doesn't like a good prison ben ben stella who doesn't like a good prison adam sandler movie no one likes no one likes that everybody likes the longest yard Chris rock was awesome cool runnings cool runnings has got to be up there okay now we're now we're actually reaching wow are you about to say happy gilmore are you gonna say you're gonna really put your money on saying happy gilmore is one of the best sports movies of all time no, I just think that this conversation is coming to a natural conclusion. <laughs> wow. Well, obviously, someone doesn't want to admit that their favorite sports movie of all time is. Wow, I really thought I'd bait you into that one. I yeah, I don't have a favorite sports movie. Major League was awesome back in the day, but you're not a baseball. That's fan, so you probably no. Are you kidding with Charlie Sheen uh, where they play Wild Thing when he comes on? Of course I've seen that movie. I had it on VHS. Get in my house. Not get in my house. That's weird. That's a weird catchphrase. We're, I just got to think of a better catchphrase for next time because get in my house is not something I want to spill. Um, on that note, don't come into my house, but please listen to this podcast in your house, whether you want to do it through your headphones, on a speaker, however it is. Please like and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Why did I say Facebook? We don't have a Facebook. I meant Twitter. 
no one uses Facebook these days. Except um, for us, because we're old. Yeah, except for pretty much everyone from our age group and older. Oh, although, don't use the crying emojis because apparently that's not cool according to Gen Z. Which the cry, like the laughing, laughing out loud, crying face emojis. Apparently that's not cool. Um, so that's your extra advice of the day. That's all I got, James. As always, last word to you. Yeah, no, I I I didn't know that the crying emoji was was bad. So I think we'll we'll definitely do a try to do a deep dive and, and try to come to you every week with uh, things to keep you hip and young because obviously we're getting old here. So what we thought was cool back in the day definitely is not cool anymore. So we'll keep our ears to the streets and keep you informed. I don't, I'm, I've, I've lost for words. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time, folks. Bye for now.